and then I tried oat milk. It sucks. I had oatmeal in my coffee. It tastes like oats. Nobody tells you this. I'm here to tell you this, people. Oat milk sucks because it tastes like oats. It's in the name and nobody tells you. Have you ever had oats and enjoyed it? I haven't. Big shout out to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Listeners get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash Haya. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Haya for 10% off your first month. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Haya Podcast. As you can see, I'm back in my London home, the studios there, you know, my, my wall lights. I miss, I miss being in my studio. It's great. And as you can see, also, I'm here by myself. There's no producer Matt here today, so it's just me talking to you, nieces and nephews, and the listeners out there. How have you been? You know, I've been traveling a lot. I just got back in yesterday. Jet lag. Jet lag hasn't affected me that much. I went to bed at 11, woke up at 7. It's all good. Uh, I think I've traveled so much now, my body views jet lag as the default state. Uh, so it hasn't affected me that much. Hope you're well. If you guys came to the shows in the US, thank you so much. I'll be back there later this year in October. I know I'm playing New York. We're probably going to add some other dates in Atlanta and Boston and Chicago again. So uh, I'll let you know when tickets go on sale. But man, what a whirlwind. Oh yeah, Matt's not here. Again, producer Matt's not here because he's still on his trip in rural France. It's been, I know, I'm as annoyed as you are too. Sorry, Matt. You know I love you, Matt. But you know, <laughs> it's been a long time now. What a trip. How do you afford to go away for that long, Matt? You've been gone for what, three weeks now? You're still going? Can Gemma even take that much holiday? Gemma is Matt's wife. Lovely person. But okay, and enjoy your holiday. I'm just I'm just playing around. But this episode is just me solo talking to you guys. We'll get Matt next week, but it'll be over Zoom because he'll still be in France. And by the time he comes back, I will have gone to Australia already. So man, that's a that's a long ass holiday. Good for you, Matt. Good for you. To be fair, you know, producer Matt, he's been working hard. He directed his own short film and uh, just, just been working hard. I, I, I work him really hard too. I'm still working him on his holiday. What's really funny is when he was, um, when Matt was on holiday, and then there was one week where the podcast got delayed by 24 hours, right? And then <laughs> I posted something in the YouTube community page for the podcast, and you guys were just like ruthless on him. I love it. It's so funny. Let me read out a few comments. This is from the uh, Haya Podcast YouTube community page. So what I posted was. Podcast will be late by a day this week. Producer Matt is stuck in rural France and can't get good internet. <laughs> and the comments, uh, Jai said, Internet, quotation marks, he's actually just too busy with Gemma, probably sipping some fine wine. <laughs> probably more than sipping fine wine, wouldn't you say, Matt? Okay, probably some fine wine and some pounding. You can't go all the way to rural France and not, not do any pounding, you know? That's a waste of the plane ticket. Well, I hope you are pounding, Matt. I don't know. Shows a sign if you are pounding. Records you saying yes or no right after this in an audio, in a video form. Let us know. Have you been doing... Have you sip, sipped on some fine wine? Yes or no? And have you been doing some pounding? Don't let Gemma know, okay, Matt? Gemma doesn't need to know this. Uh, but I, I hope you are, for your sake. Hey, guys. It's producer Matt here. Just wanting to send a quick message. I feel like I'm on Eurovision. Like I'm one of the... And France gives you 12 points. But uh, no, basically, I've been on a trip with Gemma for her sabbatical from work. She's been there five years, so she gets a month off. We decided to drive around France. So we've been to Champagne, Strasbourg, Bonn, uh, Loire Valley, and now in St. Malo, and then finishing in Honfleur. And then we'll be back in the studio with Nigel, or at least I'll be there 
and he will be wherever he is and we'll zoom. Hope you're all doing well. I miss being in a room with Nigel and Pauline's going well. Thanks. Thanks for the concern. Nothing. Yeah, no, no issues there. Uh, let me show you the view quickly so you can see the sea. There you go. There's the sea. And yeah, if I look slightly dishevelled and tired, it's because I was up till three in the morning trying to download the latest files from Nigel because uh, the internet wasn't very good. So yeah, hopefully this goes up on time. Apologies if it doesn't. And um, yeah, back to the show. Goodbye. And this is our dog, Meg, who's been traveling with us. She's a Kakoni from the streets of Lesvos and was rescued. Oh, okay. She doesn't want to be in the video. Uh, another comment. Luigi Fu said, it's fine. Let him do the pounding. <laughs> See what I see what i told you and congrats for 100k on the channel oh yeah we just crossed 100,000 subscribers for haya podcast you make me yes thank you so much for everybody who subscribed uh the silver play button is coming i already have one so i'm think i'm gonna give that silver play button to matt because uh you know i think it's a nice gesture matt can put it up on his uh on on his uh, apartment wall and then we can see it through that 480p camera, the lowest resolution camera he has. Man, maybe you can come record. When we zoom, you can come to my house and zoom from here because everything's set up, right? Instead of the shitty ass webcam you're using. <laughs> I like how I'm still bullying my producer even though he's not on the podcast with me right now. Kay Perkins, listen, Matt, we're going to need you to step into the year 2022. First the camera, now the internet, shaking my head. He must have poor Gemma in the fields and antenna and some panels, Lamau. <laughs> <laughs> that comment really made me laugh when I saw that. Like just Gemma holding up like some antennas and, <laughs> and, and and a panel trying to get like Wi-Fi. Matt, is this okay? Is this better? Is, is, is this better? Remember like years ago, maybe in the 90s or 80s? I, I wasn't... Okay, I, I remember this vaguely, but when I was born, I was born in Kuala Lumpur, right? The capital of Malaysia. So we didn't really get this. But when I visited my mom's relatives in rural Malaysia in Johor, this place in rural Malaysia, they still had antennas on their TV sets and they had to just like, you had to find the right spot. Anyone else remember this? Is it, or is it just an old person thing or like a developing country thing? But the, the antenna had to point in a certain direction to get the right signal. Remember that? Otherwise it would just be like staticky on the screen and you just have to like, just tilt it, tilt it, tilt it, tilt it, tilt it a bit. At least I remember that. Is that, is that a common thing? Let me, let me know listeners in the comments if you remember tweaking the antenna, you know? I always loved nostalgia shit. Nostalgia stuff works really well on stage, by the way, because <laughs> the old people feel seen, you know? That, that is a big thing. Because once you get past a certain age, pop culture isn't for you anymore. I think I'm still within that group. I think 18 to 35 is what, like, media tends to go after because we have uh, we are adults and we have disposable income. But I think after you age past 35, which I'm a bit terrified about, uh, you feel like shit isn't for you anymore, right? I don't think any 40-year-olds listening to Billie Eilish, right? Or 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 BTS. So I, I worry about that. That's why nostalgia works really well uh, on stage. I have a, I have a whole routine about, uh, if you've seen my show already, I have a whole bit about dial-up internet. And it, it just gets cheers, man, because people just love it. Like the people in the crowd like it that young people aren't even getting a single word of what I'm saying. You know, they don't understand. I had audience members come up to me after the show saying that when you were talking about the dial-up bit, I saw this Gen Z person just Googling what dial-up is. <laughs> That's not good. It makes me, it makes me feel old too.
but it, it's fun to talk about nostalgia shit, right? Yeah, but anyways, uh, I'm back in my London home for two weeks. Uh, I'm flying out to Australia, New Zealand, and Asia right after this. It's it's a lot of traveling this year, and every time I come back here, it, it, it feels nice, you know? I can enjoy my Aesop products. I always forget how nice my bathroom products are. <laughs> Until you start traveling to hotels and they give you the cheapest shit. I had to use like the hotel stuff because the hotel toiletries because I'm not going to bring my own toiletries with me. I think that that's too much. I already bring too much like skincare stuff. So bringing my own toiletries like my, my uh, hand soap, shampoo, conditioner, that's too much. Unless you're really bougie. Actually, no. If you bring your own toiletries on a trip, you're either super rich or super poor, right? Because I remember when I started doing stand-up, I was staying in youth hostels and... Holy shit, boy, that is, I was, I was really broke, right? So I couldn't afford anything. And sometimes you have to do these audition spots. We go all the way. I remember this one show. It was a BBC new act competition. I was supposed to do five minutes out in Cardiff, which is like uh, in Wales. So it's a three hour train ride from London, right? So I had to book a youth hostel because the last train, I would have missed the last train after the show. So I booked the youth hostel. I was broke. So I booked the youth hostel, 30 pounds a night. Went there, uh, the set didn't go that well. And then went back to my youth hostels and youth hostels don't, just don't give you anything. You know, for a few years at the start of my comedy career, I was traveling with a padlock. I was traveling with toiletries, right? That's why I'm saying if you, if, you, if you bring toiletries on board, you're either really rich or really poor. I was a really, really poor camp because youth hostels don't give you shit. You know, you go into the bathroom there, sometimes they don't even give you a tap. You have to <laughs> bring, your own, bring your own taps, fix it to the pipes and then you can shower. No, I kid, I kid, you get your own taps, but... It was grim, 16 room bunk bed, and then bring my own padlocks, bring my own toiletries. Oh boy, I'm glad those days are over. Now I just don't bring my own toiletries. I just go to a hotel and complain about the toiletries they have. So I've come a long way from bringing my own shit to complaining about other people's shit. Yeah, but that, that's, that's, that's the struggle, right? So now when I travel in the, in the US, I get to stay in decent hotels, nothing fancy. Nothing like the Mandarin Oriental. I, I don't make that kind of cash just yet. But I stay in decent places with air conditioning and uh, provided toiletries. And I don't have to bring my own padlock. Oh yeah, you have to bring your own padlock because in youth hostels, you, you get a little bit of storage space. You, you don't trust the people sleeping in the same room as you, right? Because I'm like, well, I know we're all poor, so people are going to steal my shit. Yeah, I wonder why I was worried about people stealing my shit. It's not like I was the only... I had money in amongst the poor, other poorer people. I was poor too. <laughs> we were all poor. <laughs> like, what are you gonna steal? My 2009 MacBook Pro that I got used, right? So you bring your own padlock because under the bunk beds, they always have a little place for you to put your bags and stuff. So that's that's why you have to padlock. It's like, man, staying at youth hostels is like going to like a budget gym. You buy your own padlock with the little numbers. You put the little numbers and you, and you lock it up, so. Every time I want to complain about hotels, I just think back to my padlock youth hostel days. And I just feel so lucky and grateful that I come this far. I, I'm a kind of person who enjoys some nice toiletries, some nice Aesop and cow shed. That's how I know I grew up like not having money. Because I still feel like I still get annoyed at the prices of these things. You know, that's how you know when someone grew up with no money. If they look at a price tag, no matter how much money they make, they still feel like they still look at price tags and just get angry at price tags. Rich people don't get angry at price tags. Rich people just see the price tags. Okay, that's what this is supposed to cost. Okay, it's quality. We're paying for quality. 
But when I go to an Aesop shop, it's a brand I love, right? But then I see Aesop, I'm like, holy shit, Aesop. Do you know how much you sell body wash? It's $7 at 7-Eleven. And how much? You're charging 50 for this? What What the fuck is wrong with you, Aesop? Like, I'll still buy it, but you're insane. You're insane. This is a terrible price for a body wash. Because I think my yardstick for what's expensive is still back where it used to be. You know? <laughs> Anything above this number, that's how you know you grew up poor because your yardstick for what's expensive always stays constant. No matter how much money you eventually start making, you, you still have that working class, that poor person mentality. And you still feel like, oh, I shouldn't pay this much for for, for food, for, for toiletries, for body wash, whatever. I have a friend who I met up in New York, Malaysian friend as well. And he, we grew up roughly like, you know, middle class, lower middle class in Malaysia, whatever. And he said he, he experienced the same thing. So when he sees like, when he orders a pad thai dish, and then you can choose and ch- chicken, beef, or prawn. And if all those three prices are the same, he always goes for prawn because he says that's, that's something he's learning how to change because he just wants to go for the best deal. And prawns tend to be the most expensive, right? Uh, compared to chicken and beef. So if, if he ha- so he has an option of ordering a pad thai and they're all the same prices, he always goes for prawn. And I'm like, well, you know, you're doing okay, man. And let- we need to start ordering stuff that we enjoy the most <laughs> and not just what prices do we feel we are getting the best deal out of. Right? That's something we have to learn. I have a little bit of that problem too. I'm trying to get rid of those habits. And which means when I go to a hotel now, I always make myself get something from the hotel minibar. Remember when you're growing up? I grew up quite poor, right? So when you were growing up, your mom would just forbid you from taking anything from the hotel minibar. I don't know if you guys have have this experience, but to just tell you how expensive it is, you they make you feel like you'll bankrupt the whole family. <laughs> If you take something for the hotel minibar, right? You gotta take a can of Coke. Like, no, 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 don't take a can of Coke. We'll go out. We'll walk five miles to buy a can of Coke. Never take the hotel minibar Coke. You know, they always know how to fuck you up because the hotel minibar Coke is always a smaller size of the Coke can that you can't really get at stores. So once you take it, sometimes my mom would take it, but then replace it with something she bought from the, uh, the grocery store later. But then hotel minibars, they got smart to this. So they get like the smaller cans of Coke that can't really be replaced. Is this a relatable observation for you guys? Do your parents also stop you from taking shit from the hotel minibar? Because mine certainly did. And and to be fair, the hotel minibars do rip you off. Okay, the hotel in LA I stayed at, the water, $5 for water from the hotel minibar. <laughs> like, who's taking this shit? $5 for water? But... I would take, you know, sometimes I'll take alcohol. You come back from a gig, you're tired, just want a little glass of wine to drink before you go to bed. So I'll take it from the hotel minibar. I make myself take it, even though it pains me because I know I'm getting ripped off. But I need to get rid of that that scarcity mentality because I feel the scarcity mentality, maybe it's not good for your career too, you know. As someone who's self-employed, I I need to start outsourcing and hiring people to do stuff. But the scarcity mentality makes you fear, makes you like hold on to the money and it's not great to grow a business, okay? So that's why I take shit from the hotel minibar. I'm slowly learning how to act as if I didn't grow up poor. That's the whole goal. 2022 resolution. How do I pretend I wasn't poor growing up? (laughs) How do I pretend I've been there before? And also for the hotel minibar people, like do you know the prices of drinks outside of this hotel like stop ripping us off okay like what what exactly is a service you're providing 
it's not like I'm asking you to make the drink for me. You already put it in the fridge. It's I just you just put the shit in the fridge. That's it. Can you just charge like human prices for a hotel minibar Sprite? Can it not be $12 for a Sprite, please? One day when I when I sign a big deal or something or on a show or something, I'm going to treat myself to a hotel minibar chocolate bar. Okay. <laughs> and now when I go to grocery stores now, sometimes you, you know, Another thing I'm learning to do, like when you go to grocery stores now, sometimes you see that person giving out the free samples. And now I just, you know, don't feel the need to take them anymore. Right? I'm like, oh, it's free, but it's okay. I don't need to try it. I don't have no plans on buying this matcha ice cream, so why would I try it? Right? I only take the free samples now when I have this intention of buying the product because you, you grow up, you're like, oh shit, it's, it's, a, it's an Asian meme almost, right? The mom, the Asian auntie, getting the free samples all the time. I'm like, nah, no, I don't need the free samples now, okay? Because I'm doing Invisalign. If I eat the free samples, I take the Invisalign out. It's, it's too much, too much trouble. I will forego the free samples. If I want it, I'll just buy it myself. I can afford it now. So free samples and hotel mini bar, that's what I'm working on. BetterHelp is back to sponsor the Haya Podcast, which is amazing. Thank you to BetterHelp. Thank you. If you don't know, BetterHelp, wonderful thing. Licensed therapist, and you can talk to them from your laptop or your iPad, wherever. And we all know mental health is important. It's a trendy thing now also. It's trendy and also important, okay? Let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. You talk about mental health, you just get, you just win so much respect from people. As a guy, you tell people you do therapy and the respect people have for you just, whew, it just shoots right up there because you come across as a guy who's like sensitive and you're self-aware and, okay, don't do therapy for that reason, but I'm just saying, in addition to the mental health benefits BetterHelp can get you, you will also be one of the cool ones, be one of the cool guys who's, not afraid to be vulnerable, like me. I use BetterHelp, it's amazing service. It's fully remote, you do it online. So no matter where you are in the world, you get to talk to someone and learn about yourself and figure things out. Being on tour is tough, okay? Sometimes I'm in a new city, I'm lonely. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm doing all this, why am I always so busy? Why do I feel stressed and burnt out? And I talk to a therapist and they make me feel better, okay? I've done a couple sessions and if it's really, really good. Again, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's licensed professional therapy. When you sign up for this, they send you a questionnaire and I think the questionnaire helps pair you with a, a therapist that fits your needs. So that's what one of the things I really, that's one of the things I really like about BetterHelp. So uh, I'm trying to fill it out right now. And it says, what led you to consider therapy today? And check boxes. I've been feeling depressed. I feel anxious or overwhelmed. My mood is interfering with my job or school performance. I struggle with building or maintaining relationships. I can't find purpose and meaning in my life. Uh, you know, that's a lot more boxes. So I'm just gonna pick, even, you know, if you if you have a pretty good mental health, you can click just exploring, like, like how I'm doing right now. So you click that. What are your expectations from a therapist? A therapist who listens, that's what I need. You need better help, people. Don't wait till you're struggling, then it's too late, okay? You gotta, 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 prevention is better than cure and always have someone to talk to and don't burden your friends, your mental health shit, okay? I know people who just won't see a therapist and then guess what? When they hang out with their friends, that's all they do. They complain about their lives and I'm like, hey, I'm not a licensed professional. I can't really help. And I mean, I say that, but secretly I'm thinking, I just don't want to listen to this shit. <laughs> Can we just enjoy dinner? 
So don't bum your friends out. Get therapy. Go to BetterHelp right now. BetterHelp.com slash Haya. Listeners get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, BetterHelp.com slash H-A-I-Y-A-A. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Haya. Link in description. Go click that. If you sign up for it, it really supports the show. So I really appreciate it. Back to the show. So these past few weeks in the US, you saw that I podcasted with Jimmy O. Yang, which is great. Shout out to Jimmy. Thank you so much. Uh, and also Kevin Kreider. So both happened quite uh, naturally. Kevin Kreider was because he came to see me. Uh, it was He was a friend of a friend. Uh, Sandra Kwan, who goes by Jeannie Weenie online. She's a big TikToker and YouTuber as well. She brought Kevin to my show in New York. And then we just linked up in LA. Kevin, great guy. Very sincere guy. Go check out Blink Empire uh, if you haven't. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch. It. I might do an Uncle Roger review video about Bling Empire, but we'll see. We'll see. My schedule is pretty hectic right now, and I'm trying to enjoy my two weeks off in London. Uh, Jimmy O Yang, we just started DMing online on Instagram one day because I'm a fan of his work. I watched him in Love Hard. I was just blown away by how good he is at acting. Uh, acting so difficult, man. The more I do it, the more I have respect for actors. I I do a lot of self tapes, right? I look back at them and I and I hate how I look in those self tapes. Are just when you you tape yourself it's like an audition, but you tape yourself, you send it to casting directors, and then I've never gotten a role from any self tape. <laughs> just so you guys are aware, I haven't filmed that many either. Maybe twenty, like 10, 20 of them, and I've never gotten a role after a self tape. So that's a lot of space for improvement there. And also, yeah, when I collabed with and when I podcasted with Stephen, he he said self tapes are you know, acting. Don't take it personally. You have to try a lot of times. But man, it's just so much respect, man. When I when I when I see actors do their thing, and I've been going on YouTube to look at like self tape tips and people reviewing other people's self tapes. That's how I that's how I learn things now in in this day and age. Right, I just go on YouTube and just search like. And that's how I learned how to edit videos. That's how I learned how to like get podcasting equipment. It's all YouTube, right? So maybe YouTube can lead me down the right path for self-tapes. But some of these self-tapes aren't very good either. So that's the problem with YouTube. When someone's like making a video, you don't know their credentials, right? Like, am I supposed to listen to you? This guy says he's an acting coach, but is he a real acting coach? I don't know. And I don't really have time right now to take acting classes. I want to in the future. But right now, it's just me and, and self-taping, and I'm taping for something later again, and it, it, it's difficult, man. It's so, so respect to actors, man. I know I shit on you guys a little bit. I still think actors have no creativity whatsoever, but <laughs> they have skill, okay? I'll give you that. Actors, you don't have any creativity, but you have chops, okay? Happy, I think that's reasonable, right? You can't be that creative as an actor. You just need to have, like, skill and range and just be able to do as you're told and take notes well, but you can't have that much creativity, come on, because you have to present what's on the page. You can't just be yourself all the time. I think if you, if you are too creative, you're yourself all the time, and that's terrible for acting, isn't it? So that's how I linked up with Jimmy, because I was a fan of his comedy and acting. And when I was in LA, we filmed Jimmy's Kitchen together, so that's still yet to come out. Keep, keep an eye out for that. It's Uncle Roger and Jimmy O. Yang making egg fried rice, very cool. And Jimmy also got me to open for him in, in his LA show. So we did the Ebel Theater, beautiful theater. Thank you so much to Jimmy for letting me do 15 minutes before him. And it's just such a joy. I remember, I think we have a lot of audience overlap because uh, Jimmy is you know Asian stand-up comedian and he also does something about food, like Jimmy's Kitchen on YouTube. So I think there's a big overlap. I remember 
Um, he had two openers, right? So the first opener did his stuff, went pretty well. Uh, and then the opener said, okay, are you ready? We have a special guest this evening. You know him on YouTube as Uncle Roger. At the moment he said Uncle Roger, the whole crowd cheered and they were surprised. They're like, oh, what? Woo! All that stuff, which made me feel very welcome. Thank you. And then I went on stage and it was it was a lot of fun. Jimmy has had a stand-up special out already. So when his crowd who comes to see him, they probably have seen him do stand-up or they're probably aware of stand-up and they've seen stand-up shows before. So they are just primed to laugh and they, they, they just liked it, you know? And, and they like the kind of stuff I'm doing. They like the kind of jokes I'm doing. Um, and my crowd, sometimes the people who come to my shows, uh, they haven't been to a lot of stand-up shows before. Uh, let me know what you, th listeners, if you have seen my show already, let me know. Have you, b before my stand-up show, have you been to any of these stand-up shows before? So if you get people who haven't, haven't been to stand-up before, it's, it's still fun, but sometimes they can feel like they don't, they don't know what to expect, right? Stand-up, there's a lot of inappropriate moments. That's how we mind the humor, right? And then people who come to my shows, I get a lot of, whoa, whoa. <laughs> if I do a Malaysian Airlines jokes, people just go, oh, no, did he just really say that? Oh, a lot of, ooh, that kind of, that kind of sound like, oh, I can't believe he said that, that kind of thing. But Jimmy's crowd, they've, they've been to see stand-up before, so they know what they're getting into, and that was really fun. But slowly, guys, if you've been to my show, uh, I don't mind it if you go, ooh, we'll, we'll slowly train you up, right? Come see me on my next tour. Uh, if you want to see me on this Hayat tour again, that's fine. Just so you know, it's the same material. But if you can't see me on my next tour, then you're more familiar with the stuff I do, the inappropriate shit I say sometimes. That's how we can train you up to be a stand-up comedy savvy audience, right? I'm not saying you guys aren't great. You guys are doing great. <laughs> but could be less sensitive to certain things, okay? Like San Francisco especially. They're very, uh... San Francisco, I was thinking about this. Uh, it's my least favorite place to play in... in the US, uh, although I still appreciate you guys coming out. I know I bitch about you a lot, but <laughs> still, thank you for buying tickets. I think it's because life is just too good for them, man. You graduate from university, you start a six-figure job, you get stock options at Google, you know you're rich already. So you went from university, you never really struggled. People in San Francisco, the tech workers of San Francisco, I'm sure the non-tech workers feel the, same, feel the same as how I feel right now. But the tech workers there, which I attract a lot of, you graduate from school and you just hopped on the Google bus. You know, you don't have any life experience. You never experienced like, like how much is groceries? You don't even know. You probably just door dash everything, right? No, you don't even buy groceries, do you? You hop on the Google bus, you go to the Google campus, lunch is provided for you, dinner is provided for you. What do you do? You, you don't really have the normal human experience. And then you're just so sheltered in the, in the environment. You come to see a stand-up show, you're shocked. You're like, what? What the fuck? I can't believe you say this kind of thing, you know? And my stuff isn't even that controversial. Sure, just a, f a few pedophile jokes here and there. A couple of Malaysian Airlines references. <laughs> it's not even that controversial. It's not political. So you guys just need to um, go live life a little bit, okay? San Francisco people, quit your jobs, go travel, go, go work a normal person job, go stack some shelves at a grocery store, go be a telemarketer and experience some rejection and talk to and talk to people. I was a telemarketer for a while for my university and you, you get to learn about people. You know, it, sometimes you get to call old people and they just wanna, they're so desperate to talk to someone, they just grab onto you and hold you on the phone. Let me tell you about my, my seven grandchildren. The first one does this, the second one does this. You know, they just go on for a whole day because just desperate for someone to talk to, right? 
I recently watched this video on YouTube by uh, Daniel Howell. Apparently, he's like a big... I just discovered who he was. Apparently, he was like a big like vlogger based in the UK. Uh, six million subscribers. Uh, pretty pretty big YouTuber. And he just came back, made a splash on YouTube with a new video called Why I Quit YouTube, right? So, basically, he talks about uh, burnout and everything. And as someone who does YouTube, uh, do I consider myself a YouTuber? Not really. I consider myself more of a comedian. But I love just seeing YouTubers talk about YouTube a lot because I'm kind of in this world, right? So, uh, he said... He talked about burnout, you know, the, the cautionary tale about fame, followers, the clash between making content and being content. You know, that's the that's the description of the video. Just a lot to take from there. Go watch that video if you haven't. It's, a, it's an hour and 25 minutes, so treat it like a podcast, okay? He talked about YouTube comments, which I always find very fascinating because he talked about this uh, phenomenon where you can get a thousand good comments and it doesn't stick with you, but what, that one single bad comment just sticks with you all week and you feel shit about yourself, oh, everybody hates me all week. And I don't know why, but I have to say that really doesn't, I can't relate to that at all. Like the good comments stick with me more than the shit comments. Maybe I have some sort of like personality disorder. Maybe I should bring this out to my therapist and better help, right? But, <laughs> or maybe I'm just mentally quite well adjusted, you know? Because the bad comments don't really get to me at all. I, I, I read them and I, in my head, I'm like, is this constructive? Can I, is this negative comment useful for me to improve my craft? Is this bad comment accurate for me? If yes, I take it on and I move forward. In the next video, I try to do better. If not, I just let it flow, flow by me like water, just foof. So I guess I'm just built different from the average creator. I, I don't know. All the good comments, that's, that's why I don't even mind being canceled anymore. It's just a, a rush to me. When I say being canceled, I just mean like pissing people off on Twitter and YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Every video, that's that's always a few, right? My most recent video with the in the Epicurious Briani as Uncle Roger, uh, I made an Amber Heard reference in there, and that pissed some people off. <laughs> My Chinese social media guy was like, "That's gonna piss off a few people on Chinese socials." I'm like, "Yeah, just 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 post it, piss them off. That's fine." It doesn't really get to me anymore, which is great. I think I'm built out for this. I think I'm a newfound fan of this guy, Dan Howell. Storytelling is great. The editing is great. The video is just really well made. That's what a proper YouTuber should be, you know, a classy one. Oh, and another thing that he brought up in that video, he talked about how he's just been doing YouTube for a decade and he's just vlogging, you know, just a camera in his room and he's just talking to the camera, much like I am right now. And his ambition is always just to make something bigger. Oh, I want to make a sitcom. I want to make a series. I want to make a movie. And, and, and first of all, like those things are really cool, but... To me, why why do so many? I always wonder why do so many YouTubers want to go into the mainstream industry? Because I don't know if you know this, but a lot of comics used to want to go into the mainstream world. And sure, if it happens for me, great. I'll of course take the opportunity. But the eyeballs and the ticket sales, these are more social media is, is the biggest tool for it now, right? But maybe I'm coming at it from a stand-up comedian angle because our goal is ticket sales, and maybe as a YouTuber. They don't necessarily want to go on tour and sell tickets, right? So maybe their goal is to look legitimate and respectable. But for me, selling tickets, that's the respectable thing. That's the enviable position. You know, I'm so glad I'm able to sell tickets in the cities I tour at. And that's that's where I want to be. That's why YouTube for me, uh, I always say this to people, if, if nothing happens for me in traditional media, so be it. I'm really happy with the, the YouTube audience. I'm really happy with the podcast and you guys listening in and you guys buying tickets to the show. 
buying merch and buying the little dolls, the little, uh, not Funko, but the little U2's figurines. It, it, it's been great. I, a lot of YouTubers, man, they just want to break into the, the mainstream industry and they find that they can't because YouTuber is like a slur. This is another thing Dan Howell talks about. And to some extent, Stephen, he mentioned this too when I was interviewing him. Uh, they say YouTuber is kind of like a slur. So the moment people bring it up to casting directors and producers, they just kind of discount you a little bit. Viewing YouTubers as a, as a slur, it's, oh, he's just a YouTuber. He's just an influencer, right? And I feel like, yeah, to me, again, if I'm selling tickets, I'm happy. You can call me anything you want. I call myself a comedian only because I view YouTube as one of the many platforms I use to be funny on. It's not really a slur though. The N-word is a slur. I think it's a, the, the language is a bit strong, right? Calling YouTuber a slur. Like the N-word is a slur. Chink would be a slur, I would, th I would think. So <laughs> calling a YouTuber a slur, okay, come on. I don't exactly think of being oppressed here, right? I don't really think people are gonna call you a YouTuber and then ask you to use a different water fountain, ask you to sit at the back of the bus, right? Do you also, if you want to insult a YouTuber, do you lean in on the hard R at the end, YouTuber, instead of YouTuber? <laughs> YouTuber, please, you know? You know, the hacky joke, right? People just do like a replacement word for the N-word, and then they just say that word, please. You, you've seen this trope being done before. But I don't think YouTuber, okay, YouTuber might be a more slightly disrespectful term, sure, but it's not a slur though, is it? You're not an oppressed minority group as a YouTuber. You're living a good life there. You're probably making a lot of money, okay? If you drive a Lambo, you're not oppressed, okay? These YouTubers trying to make it in mainstream media, oh, they're just calling me just a YouTuber. Oh, you know, just an offensive slur as they drive past in their Maserati. Do they even know how ridiculous that sounds? Call me a YouTuber, call me anything you want. Sure, I don't really mind. I think it's cool. You know, it's, a YouTuber is like, if you call me a YouTuber, I, I don't really mind it. It's what the, the youth of today is, all they wanna be is YouTubers, right? It's, it's actually kinda cool. Sure, the traditional media people, the stuffy people in the middle age, the boomers, the boomers won't think you're cool if, you're, if you call yourself a YouTuber, but who cares about the boomers, right? They're gonna be irrelevant soon. COVID's gonna come and wipe them all out. So you should be trying to please the young people, the Gen Z people who will grow up with you and buy tickets and go see you and, and, and forever you know, remain a fan for a long time. Who cares about those corporate suits? When people come to see your show, when people come to see my show, they don't care if I'm a YouTuber or an actor or entertainer. They just want to see, you know, just like my work and they want to come. So call me a YouTuber, whatever you want to call me. I don't mind. I'll sell my tickets and I'll be happy and I'll meet my fans and I'll perform to you guys. When I was in LA, uh, I stayed there. I, I really want to move out to LA, man. LA, it's, it's, I think that's the logical next step for my career. Uh, and the Asian food there is better. <laughs> that's, you know, I need to move where the good food is, okay? And it serves me well. My whole life, I've been moving away from good food, right? I grew up in Malaysia, food heaven. And I moved to the U.S., moved to Chicago, which is, is an okay food city. And then from Chicago, I went even a step lower to the U.K. And now I, I'm here. I've been moving away from good food my whole life. So now let's try to reverse that, okay? I'm going to try to move to L.A. 
It's good for the food, and it's good for my career too, of, of course. But it's nice to move to a good food place for a change. I'm very excited. I'm thinking maybe after my tour ends next year, I might move there. And a lot of people, people are either like, yeah, move there, it's going to be amazing. Or people are either uh, that, or they say, well, LA is not great. You know, everybody there is fake, and they're just cloud chasers. And I, at first, I was concerned about, yeah, the fakeness of cloud chasers. I've dealt with a few because I have a decent amount of following on Instagram and I've seen people's behavior change. When they ask me, oh, what's your Insta? And they check and they're suddenly like a lot more friendlier to me. And it's very transparent, right? So I, at first, I worried about the fakeness and the cloud chaser. But then I realized I'm fake and also a cloud chaser. <laughs> I'm that too. I chase cloud. I'm, gonna, I'm not afraid to admit it. You know, I like working with people with cloud because I think we can reach a bigger audience. Cloud is my career, really. I, As a creator, sure, I want as many people to watch my videos as possible. I want to grow, grow, grow. So yeah, I'm a cloud chaser. Am I fake? I don't know. Probably a little bit, right? <laughs> what do you guys think? I think on the podcast, I'm pretty real. But when I'm dealing with people, you, you to some degree, you're always, you always have to be a little bit fake to some degree. Like, I'm, if I'm real with everyone, I'll piss them off. I'll, I'll They'll be shocked. I'll, Talk about crazy shit, you know? Crazy, inappropriate stuff. My personality, okay? I can't show all of it. I can't be too real. Otherwise, the pedophile jokes come, and that's not a polite conversation at two in the afternoon over lunch or coffee with someone, okay? So you have to be... A, so I'm a little bit fake when I talk to people there. I'm a little bit of a cloud chaser, so I think I'll fit right into LA. I just need to find some sort of allergy. I think I need some sort of, like, customizing my, my coffee type thing, you know, maybe start drinking oat milk. Oat milk's disgusting though. How did how did oat milk take hold in popular culture? Like, I tried it once because Joshua Weissman, when I worked with him, he said, oh, oat milk's pretty good, the texture. I said, I told him I, I only drink like full fat milk in my coffee because the texture is great. And he said, oh yeah, if you like the good texture, oat milk has pretty good texture too. And then I tried oat milk and it sucks. I had oat milk in my coffee. It tastes like oats. Nobody tells you this. I'm here to tell you this, people. Oat milk sucks because it tastes like oats. It's in the name and nobody tells you. Have you ever had oats and enjoyed it? I haven't. I've had milk and enjoyed it. You know, my, the milk I buy now, I like to buy the milk that comes in a glass jar, the organic stuff, the, the, the fair trade farm to table. You know, a milkman comes deliver it. Just hold in little glass jars, put it on your doorstep. Milkman would, would suck in this day and age when it has to do with millennials. In the old days, you just milkman, milk, one type, put it on your doorstep. That's it. He comes every day, he takes the old jars back. If a milkman has to work in this day and age dealing with millennials and Gen Z people, had to take orders, just, oh, you want oat only? Okay. You want almond milk, coconut milk? What kind of? Do you have to like, have different menus? The milkman will need to have a menu of different types of milk options. Just too much. But yeah, oat milk sucks. Why hasn't anyone said this before. If you're lactose intolerant, uh, yeah, I, I guess you're in a dilemma if you're lactose intolerant. Just just shit yourself. Who cares? Most people, when they say lactose intolerance, just means they fart a lot when they drink milk. Just fart. Fart for the texture. Good milk is worth it. Like a creamy, nice, flat white mm, with regular full-fat milk, it's worth farting the rest of the day for, okay? Just do it. If you're meeting a friend, tell them to drink full fat milk too, so you guys can fart together. <laughs> Friends who fart together, stay together, okay? You've seen people do embarrassing shit together, you stay together. So stop it with the oat milk, but I do need to figure out some sort of modification. 
You know, if you go to LA, it's I don't know what happened. Everybody's so health conscious there. If you order a coffee and you ask for regular milk, they look at you like you're from the 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 80s. They're like, what regular milk? Do you know it's poison? Do you know regular milk is toxic? What are you doing, regular milk? Everybody has like six modifications, you know? Almond milk, no whip, whip on the side, that kind of thing. I, I don't have any modifications. I feel so lame and uncool. I just go up there, flat white. Can I have a flat white, please? Uh, regular milk? I'm like, yeah. And they look at me with this. Oh, okay. Never had this in a while. This guy's so easy. So if I do move there, uh, I need to pick up a food allergy maybe to make myself more interesting, you know. <laughs> Stop drinking regular milk and go switch to oat. No, I'm not going to switch to oat. I'm going to drink, keep drinking regular milk. Yeah. Oats. Oats are never good. Like, you know, I growing up, I ate like that Quaker shit. The oats, that old white guy out in front, the opposite of Uncle Ben's. They're both equally bad, but that's like the white version of Uncle Ben's, Quaker. The Quaker guy, he is Uncle, I don't know, what, what's his name? Quaker, Uncle Quaker. It's disgusting. I tried it, you know, it's good, it's full in fiber, it's really good for you. But it's disgusting. Oat milk is made from that. Why would I want that in my coffee? The taste of oats in my coffee. Ew, no. I'm gonna stick with, maybe I'll eat sushi a little bit more when I move to LA. People keep telling me I need to go to Sugarfish, and I went to Sugarfish and it sucked. So if you're ever there, don't, don't go, very overrated. I went to a, did go to a few omakase places which, which are great, but Sugarfish, not good. So I want to move there next year, hopefully after the tour, rent a little place there. Uh, I know I just bought this place in London and I just spent so much time doing it up. And, um, you know, it's fine. I'll, I'll keep this place here. I'll, I'll visit every, every, every month or so as a little holiday home because my place in LA, LA is very, very expensive. And uh, I probably just rent a shitty little, little one bed apartment for now and see how things go. I did go on this app, this dating app, Raya in LA, because everybody tells me I need to get on it. I said, okay, I'll give this a shot. Apparently this app is for like celebrities. And I say like celebrities in quotation marks because I hate being known as a celebrity. I, 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 I don't feel, I put it in quotation marks because one, I don't feel like I'm a celebrity. I just feel like I'm a guy who just makes dumb videos. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I, I love that. I think being a celebrity, I think I don't like that life. It just become like so un unrelatable. And two, Raya is really stretching the definition of the word celebrity, okay? Because the sound of people on there, they have like 700 followers on Instagram. I'm like, how did you get in? Because when I signed up for it, I tried to send them my Instagram handle and they had to check that there's a vetting process and I go on there. It's just too many entrepreneur types and too many models. And okay, I know, and these people don't have a lot of followers either, okay? I know it sounds appealing. Oh, they're all models on there. But I have to say, Models aren't always hot, okay? Sometimes models can be weird looking. <laughs> it's very angular features and it's, they can look a little scary sometimes. And also models in their dating profiles, they never smile. It's weird. I'd rather get back on Hinge or Tinder because it's like normal people drinking Prosecco. They always have a picture, if it's you know, a woman's profile, then it's a picture of uh, them having Prosecco with their friends. As a guy's profile, it's a picture of them holding a fish. They went on a fishing trip and they caught a big fish. I miss those profiles, okay? Because it's normal. On Raya, it's just a bunch of models. They take a picture of their photo shoot from Vogue. They literally took a photo of themselves on a magazine cover on Vogue and it's put that as, a, as the main picture. It's like, okay, well, uh, good for you. Very impressive. You're on the front page of this magazine, but like, you don't look human. You know, you intimidate me a little bit. 
because you're not smiling in those photos. You gotta smile in your photos, guys and women, okay? Oh, the guy's profiles too. I went out with someone, and, you know, and from Raya who, who looks normal, thankfully. And I checked the, her Raya account to see what, what the guys are like. And the guys, same problem. A lot of good-looking model types, you know, athletic types, fitness models, fitness influencers. Too many pictures of them with their shirt off. Not smiling. I saw a guy on it. He literally had a screenshot of his Instagram profile feed. Just, and that's, that's his Raya profile. My God. They're not normal people. There are a bunch of hashtag girl boss types on there, okay? <laughs> they never smile. And then models, when they post photos, when they're photo shoots, like, just stop it. Just stop it. You don't look like a human. They always have this weird pose of them falling, doing some wacky ass pose. You know, the, like the Zara models are always like falling you know, for some reason. It's not a normal photo. Just post some normal pictures, okay? Have you been to a restaurant with a friend? You celebrate a birthday party at a wedding? That would be nice. So maybe maybe I won't enjoy LA. Maybe maybe I'll hate it there. Who knows? I'll just live there for six months. And if I hate it, I'll come back. That's fine. If I love it, then maybe I'll stay there a bit longer. We'll see. That's, that's the plan for next year. Gotta enjoy the weather there. Enjoy the Korean food. I need to move. I just need to start moving to places with good food, man. Because like, I don't know. But I also feel like I'll be too happy. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Uncle Roger only blew up because I had so much frustration with the food here. And it just culminated in that video. And everything you see in there is not acting in the very first video. Like, oh my gosh, what you doing? What you doing? You know, that, that, that draining the rice thing. So I feel like sometimes you, what you see is not acting. It's the culmination of all my frustrations from living in the UK for seven years. And I just that formed that video. I feel like, what if I move to LA and just lose my lose my edge? I just stop complaining. And life is too good. The weather is too amazing. The food is too good. Maybe, maybe I'll maybe I'll stop being funny when I move to LA because uh, <laughs> it's hard to be funny when the sun's out all the time and you're just chilling by a pool. You know, I chilled by the pool once in LA when I tripped there. I I didn't have that much time, so I had one afternoon, two hours, I could chill by the pool and uh. I have to say, I have to say, you just feel not funny at all. Chilling by the pool, you don't feel funny at all. Life is just too blissful. So we'll see. If I move to LA and I stop being funny, just let me know, guys. <laughs> and I'll move back here instantly. <laughs> I move to LA and the podcast starts sucking and the content starts sucking. Uh, then I have to move back. I'll, 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 I'll keep an eye. I'll try to be self-aware. I'll try to be self-aware. And you guys hold me accountable too, all right? If I move out there and the content changes, I'm like, okay, Nigel, it's time to move back to the shitty England. It's time to eat packet rice again and develop that anger and that hate. And that's where good comedy comes from.